If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Neil Donald Walsh. So Neil is a modern day spiritual messenger. He's written 40 books on contemporary spirituality and its practical application in everyday life, including his new book, God Talk, Experiences of Humanity's Connections with a Higher Power. Neil is the best-selling author of the Conversations with God series, which seven of the nine books made the New York Times bestseller list. That's exciting. His titles have been translated into 37 languages and have been read by millions of people around the world. In addition, he offers spiritual teachings on Humanities Team streaming service and also appears weekly on Clubhouse where you can ask him anything. So you can learn more at neildonaldwalsh.com. Welcome, Neil. Well, thank you. It's lovely to be here with you. I appreciate the invitation. Oh, my pleasure. So where are you connecting from today? Um, I'm living on the moon, and uh, but I'm, I'm on the dark side of the moon, so nobody <laughs> can ever see me. Uh, it gives, <laughs> gives me a little bit of privacy. And so, but it's nice to, because the Zoom platform, you can call in from anywhere. Yeah, and it was a blue moon, a full blue moon. And and no, I, I, I caused that to happen. There's, most people don't understand that there is a button on the other side, on the dark side of the moon. You press that button and it turns into a blue moon once every 30, 30 or 40 years. Oh, got it. Got it. You know, I, I swear I thought I saw your silhouette, like just the shadow of you, like your glasses. And yeah. maybe it has such a strong effect on us. Yeah, there's no question about it. <laughs> I am okay. the man in the moon. Oh, okay. Wonderful. I was wondering if you're going to break out in song at uh, any point. That comes later in the program. <laughs> okay. You can be spontaneous. You can insert song at any time. That is fine with me. And it's it's so great to connect with you the first time. Oh, you must have been a beautiful baby. Because <laughs> baby, look at you now. You yeah. said I couldn't break into song whenever I wanted to. That's true. That's true. I did give you permission. So I, I'm glad that you followed your heart and just busted it out. Very good. Do you sing on a regular basis? Is that like something you do yes. for fun? Oh, you do? Yes. I, yeah, I sing in nightclubs all over the country. Do I have a nightclub act. Do you have a nightclub name, like an alter ego? Do you wear like a wig or anything so that people don't swarm you? No, I just use my regular name. Okay. Okay, wonderful. So 
be on the lookout. See, last time I spoke with you, I was fielding questions from the audience and I was laughing already. So already we're five minutes in and I'm <laughs> laughing so hard that my cheeks hurt. So I, you know, I need a little like cheek massage after um, talking with you because of the smile that you put on my face or that you activate within me. So I'm not okay. even going to comment on what I could do to give you a cheek massage. We're going to let it go at that. <laughs> no, that's okay. Thank you. Thank you, though. It's It's the thought that counts. Do you feel that anyone can have a conversation with God? Yeah, well, to be serious for a moment, yes, I do. Not only do I feel that anyone can have a conversation with God. Actually, Charissa, I, I believe that everyone is having a conversation with God all the time. I think that we're simply calling it something else. You know, we live in a culture uh, that doesn't look uh, kindly upon the idea that uh, God would talk to us. Most people would agree. If, if Most people who think there is a God believe that we can talk to God all the time. And we, we call it prayer or whatever we, whatever else we want to call it. But, but if we start saying that God is talking back to us, I mean individually, people will look askance at us, to, to put it mildly, somebody who wants us committed they might think that we're somehow you know, out of our mind or at the very least that we're blaspheming or committing apostasy to imagine and to much less tell anyone else that God is talking directly to us. So we call it, we call these messages that we're all receiving from God something else. We call it, um, you know, a sudden insight. Or right, maybe inspiration any, or something. Or any, any epiphany. I had an epiphany. We, we, you know, we, we might call it women's intuition, whatever we can get away with so that people don't marginalize us and ridicule us for imagining, oh, yeah, right, God is talking directly to you, right? So we call it something else. But there's, I've scarcely met a person who hasn't had at least one experience in their life where they received a piece of information or uh, uh, some kind of a message that really was important for them to receive. And, and you ask them, well, where do you where do you imagine that came from? And they really can't give you an answer. They say, well, I, I don't know. It just came, popped into my mind out of no place. But um, I believe that all of us are having conversations with God all the time. As I said, simply calling them something else. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. As a child, I used to have conversations with God all the time. And I was aware that it was, it was God. Um, and like, I asked God, it, is my mom, am I going to be having a baby brother or sister? And clearly he said brother. And I did, I had a baby brother and, and I used to write letters to God also. And I know this isn't very environmentally friendly, but I used to like throw them out into the wind. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So that the wind would catch them. They'd go up, up, float yeah. up into the, yeah. <laughs> God would, God would get your letter, special delivery. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That was like when I was about eight years old. 
So I did have, I did have some conversations, but I, I lost that as I got older. And I think it was part of it was that what you're saying that, um, judgment, because when I told my mom that I talked to God, she dismissed it and she was like, oh yeah, right. And so I think I thought it was not maybe not possible or not for me or something else. So I, I kind of, I put that side of myself in a little pocket (laughs) as I got older. Most people do that. That's the story for most people. Yeah. 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 So how can God reveal itself in surprising, mysterious and miraculous ways? Yes, there's no one one answer to that question because there are as many different answers as there are different ways for God to reveal herself. So I can't give you a single answer, um, but I think that if we allow ourselves to agree, number one, that there is such an entity called God, and number two, that God is communicating with everyone all the time, if we can agree that that's at least possible, then I think we'll find out as we go through our days and times together, as we move through our life, that in fact, it's happening, it's occurring. Let me give you just one simple, silly example, but it's a pretty dramatic example in my life. Um, I was driving down the road one morning at 2.30 in the morning, coming home from a party. I was in the car by myself, and I came to a stop sign. Of course, I stopped. And then I started to go through the intersection because there was nobody there. It's 2.30 in the morning. There was, the, the, the roads were clear. So I started to go through the intersection. But as my foot hit the accelerator, I heard in my mind, stop! Mm. Out of out of nowhere, I don't know. But you know, my foot immediately moved to the brake pedal. You know, I just slammed on the brakes. For no apparent reason, except I was told to stop. And sure enough, just then, a young driver, he looked to be about 16 years old, he must have had his driver's license for about two weeks, was roaring through that intersection left to right across across my path. And he had to be doing 75 miles an hour in a 25 mile an hour zone. He was just racing through that intersection. In fact, he was going so fast, frankly, that when I came to the stop sign and looked both ways, there was nobody there. Yeah. That's how fast he was moving. Suddenly he was there, and if I hadn't hit the brakes for no apparent reason, I wouldn't be here to tell you about it, nor would that young man who was driving that car. So uh, I will always remember that moment because it was um, a pivotal moment in my life. And I've had other moments similar to that where I've received information uh, that was really important for me to receive. Not necessarily life-threatening or life-saving information, but certainly important information for me to receive. So, And then I began uh, receiving that kind of information in response to a direct questioning that I began to engage in which I wound up calling conversations with God. Mm. I should tell people, you know, um, just so they understand, I did not sit down to write a book called Conversations with God. That's not what happened. Um, I was simply having a very personal, private, and if you please, what I felt to be a very sacred personal experience in my life. Having, you know, 
a moment when I was questioning why my life was the way it was. Mm. I had been living on the sidewalk um, for for a year in my life because I you know, ran into just a bunch of incidents that caused me to run out of money, and and I wound up living on the street, sleeping on the concrete, and uh, holding out my hand. And this went on not for for a couple of bad weeks or a rough month or two, but in fact for a whole year of my life. And were you single at that time? Yes. It was only yes. you? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So there I was. Uh, I was, that, in fact, that's one of the bad things that happened to me. Prior prior to my being, uh, finding myself on the sidewalk, I had lost my relationship. My relationship had ended that I had with my, with my wife, a wonderful lady. Was all, I'm sure it was all my fault. Not that I did bad things. We didn't have an affair or anything, but but mm-hmm. but yeah, we just we weren't making it. And sometimes people just can't find a way to get along, even after the first blush of being in love. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, the relationship fell apart, and I wound up being alone. And two weeks later, no, I shouldn't say two weeks later, five days later, I lost my job. Wow. And then five days, and not because I was uh, performing badly, as it happened. In fact, my boss said to me just the opposite. Uh, my boss said, "You know, you're the last, you're the last guy I want to lose here." But we've gotten headquarters orders to downsize, and uh, you were the last person in. You know, seniority. So last person in, first person out, because mm. you don't have any seniority. So we have to let you go. And, you're, and what were and, you doing? What was your job? I was a talk show host on the radio. Oh, I bet you're good at that. I was very good at it, and he hated to lose my show. But I was the last person they hired, so they had to. Let me, I had no seniority, so I had to, they had to let me go. Now, five. Now, get get a load of this. Five days after that, that's why I made a mistake earlier when I said oh, you know, all this happening within two weeks. Five days after that, I'm on uh, in my car on the road heading to a job interview. I'm sure I would get the job because I had all the qualifications mm-hmm. at another local radio station. <clears throat> and an elderly man turned in front of me, made a left turn right in front of me as I was driving down the road. We had a terrific accident. It wasn't a fender bender. It was a major automobile accident. My car was totaled and I broke my neck in the car accident. And I wound up being taken, of course, to the hospital. And they they put me they put me under because I had a very serious injury. And when I woke up, the surgeon told me, "You didn't have a hairline fracture in your neck, my dear sir. You had a three quarter inch avulsion fracture of the seven cervical vertebrae posteriorly." I remember the wording exactly from the uh, from the X ray report. And uh, that now that's a that's a break in your neck big enough to put a pencil through. Wow! Not a hairline fracture. And the doctor said to me, "You know, you you should know that nine out of ten people who have a fracture like that in their neck don't live to talk about it." Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that usually, you would normally usually, die? <laughs> yes, because because of spinal cord complications. Yeah, uh, nerve you know nerve endings and so forth. So and he said, "And those who don't die." Instantly, at least, at the very least, wind up being paralyzed from the neck down. You have suffered neither consequence. Wow. The doctor looked at me. That's a miracle. 
The doctor looked at me and he said, so what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Wow. And so I thought about that a lot. I got, you know, I wound up, then I wound up, you know, asking, writing a letter to God. I wrote an angry, angry letter to God. What does it take to make life work? Okay, well, okay, I give up. What have I done? What have I done to deserve a life of such continuing struggle? Tell me, tell me the rules. I'll play. I'll play the game. Just tell me the damn rules. And you know, and don't change them after you give me the rules. Don't change them because my experience had been that the rules of life are changing every 20 minutes. So I didn't understand how to play the game in a way that would allow me to win. So I wrote a very angry letter to God. And, and you know what? I got an answer. You know, I, what does it take to make life work? What have I done? And I heard in my mind, I heard the words, Neil, do you really want answers to all of these questions? Or are you just venting? <laughs> and I, thought, I love you know, that. I it myself, feels like a sense of humor. Yeah. And I said, well, and I said, you know, well, I am venting. But if you if you've got answers, I sure as hell like to know what they are. And the voice said to me, "You are sure as hell about a lot of things, but wouldn't you rather be sure as heaven?" <laughs> and I and my my I said, "Yeah." I wrote down on the yellow legal pad in front of me. I'm writing this all out on a tablet, and I wrote down, "What the hell is that supposed to mean?" I'm getting kind of angry here. And then I received answers to all the questions that I had asked and to, and to other questions that I never even dreamed existed. I wound up finding myself in an on-paper dialogue with God. I'd be, you know, question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. And every answer that I got led to other questions. And so this dialogue was going on for quite a while. I don't mean just for a couple of minutes. I mean for hours, and then for days. I mean, uh, every morning. At 4.20 in the morning, I would wake up and be drawn back to the legal pad, and I'd continue the dialogue until I had several legal pads filled with handwritten questions and answers. This was not something I was doing on my computer. I was writing this all out, because that's how it began. Mm. Then I was told in the dialogue, you will make of this one day a book and it will be accessed by many people. Mm. And I thought to myself, <laughs> now I got you. Because you know, I, think, I think I'm making this all up. Part of me th thinks I'm imagining all this. Mm -hmm. So I thought, imagining now I got you. the answers and the voice, right? Exactly, exactly. But, but when I was told and it was predicted, not only will you make of this a book, but it will be accessed by many people, I thought, that's not going to happen. I mean, no publisher, number one, no publisher is going to put a book out by a God, I mean, by a guy who claims to be talking to God. That, of course not. I mean, I can imagine the publisher walking out to the workroom floor saying to his editors, stop everything, hold the presses. I got a guy here who's talking to God. It's not going to happen. It's not going to publish a book like that. Nobody's going to publish a, a book by a guy who claims to be talking to God. So I sent it to a publisher on a dare. I sent it to a small publishing house, and not a, not a major publisher. It wasn't like Simon & Schuster or, you know, 
but I sent it to a small publishing house on the East Coast of the United States. They put out maybe five books a year. Okay. So it's a small house. Uh-huh. But you know, I got a call two weeks later. I sent my handwritten notes. I had it Xeroxed. I had them all Xeroxed. And sent him my handwritten notes. And the guy said, we're going to publish this. This is fascinating. I said, you're kidding me. <laughs> he said, no, we're, we're going to put it out. We'd like to change the title. We don't think people are going to like the title. I said, because I titled it Conversations with God. This is exactly how I was experiencing it. I said, no, no, if you're going to publish it, you're going to publish it by that title or we're not putting it out. He said, well, okay, fair enough. You know, they, they oh, good. And so they put the book out by that title. I thought, this is not going to sell 500 copies. Who's going to buy a book by a guy who says he's talking to God? And I was right. It didn't sell 500 copies. It sold 15 million in 37 languages. Not bragging, just saying. So yeah. when God's when God tells me something these days, I tend to listen to what she has to say <laughs> because he keeps his word. Yeah. So do you feel that that frustration and anger you were feeling almost like giving up was a portal for God to come through that those yes. emotions? I don't think there's any question about it, but the, the real question is, is that what we have to experience in order for us to experience a conversation with God? The answer is no. Mm. You know, God said, you don't have to go to hell to get to heaven. And you don't have to go to hell to talk to me. In fact, that's the last thing you want to do. So it's not, not, not necessary for us to you know be at wit's end in order to have a conversation with God. And as I said, people are having those conversations all the time. They're simply calling it something else. Mm. That's interesting. And when you're talking about heaven and hell, I always felt that hell was a state of mind. Like you can be in hell on earth and, and even um, maybe when you die, but I always thought it was a state of consciousness and not really a place. What do you think? I think you're right. Mm. God said to me, there's no such place as hell. Hell oh, does not exist. Mm-hmm. Hell does not exist. Mm-hmm. And there's no such, you know, entity as the devil. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no there's no there's no fallen angel called Satan. It's all uh, fictitious um creation of the human mind that allows yeah. us to justify this certain religious doctrines. Yeah. But because people co-create their life, it's it it's real. I mean, it's real in their experience. Yes, they're, they're experiencing as they're, they are experiencing it as reality. There's no question about that. Mm. Many people are, mm-hmm. and um, that's sad. Right, sad. It's, it's a sad part of the um, condition of our immature species. The human, the human race is a very young species, as sentient beings in the universe go. Mm. We've we've been around here what may seem like a long time, but compared to other sentient beings in the cosmos, we're still a, a pretty young species. And we're just now starting to learn who and what God is, what life is really all about, who we are. That is the kind, you know, what kind of entity are we? 
and uh, and what is the purpose of life? We're just really starting to look at these questions in, in such a deep way. Mm. And we're starting to change our mind about what some of our religions and philosophies have been trying yeah. to tell us uh, for hundreds of years. Yeah, that's fascinating. You know, and I'm just thinking about my own process because I do intuitive reading, psychic readings, and I have spirits that come to me sometimes when I'm working with a client as a medium. And I, I'm wondering, oh, maybe that's maybe that's God, you know, because that what do you think? I couldn't even begin to make a guess on your oh, experience. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even try to guess what your experience <laughs> okay. is. Uh, yeah, it's just making me introspective of um, you know the downloads and the messages that I get. So, how, how can having a conversation with God help us become successful in life? Well, I think that God has put into all of us. It's been my experience and my observation as well that uh, the Creator of life as we know it has placed within every sentient being the power to produce their own reality, the, the, what I want to call the power of manifestation. And I think this is uh, what we refer to as metaphysics. Now, we've been told, not just by religious leaders, but by many other people as well, scientists, for instance, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and doctors, and others have told us about what's called the power of positive thinking. Reverend Dr. Norman Vincent Peale was one of the great writers of our time. In 1949, I think 48, 49, somewhere in there, he wrote a wonderful book called The Power of Positive Thinking. And Norman Vincent Peale, he was a, a, a minister, he was reverend, but he was, but he was also a wonderful writer mm. uh, and uh, a, a great philosopher. And he, he said that... Yeah, I've heard of him. He said that the positive thinking, the way, he said that the way you think, whether it's positive or negative, but the way you think impacts the experience of life that you are having because your thoughts are simply energetic projections. They're projections of the fundamental energy of life. And if you project negative thoughts into any particular experience, you will experience negative outcomes, especially if you do it consistently and continually and emphatically. On the other hand, if you put, project positive thoughts consistently and emphatically into experiences in your life, you will produce positive outcomes. The Power of Positive Thinking is a very influential book. But others have been written since then. That was back way back in 1949. We've had modern, or that is more contemporary writers um, who have been telling us the same thing. Esther and Jerry Hicks wrote a book called Ask and It Is Given. Yes, I've read that one. Which made the exact same point that, that uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. made when he, when he talked in his life about the power of positive thinking. So, and, you know, Emile Coway, the wonderful French pharmacist, talked about the power of auto-suggestion, what he called auto-suggestion. Mm. And, and, and so... Um, We've we've heard about this right and left from religious people, philosophers, scientists, and uh, and medical doctors have told us, yes. So we all have, I think, that gift within us 
we can produce outcomes in our life depending on the way we think about it. And so we can't create our own reality. And in fact, humanity is doing that right now. Our, our culture as a, a civilization is producing its own reality right now through the power of our collective thought, which does not happen to be positive. Our collective thought generally is negative, mm -hmm. especially these days. I'm, I don't think I've ever seen it quite like this in my younger years, but boy, I've never seen anything like the kind of alienation that we are now showing each other on this planet. Mm. Yeah. People of different races, people of different nationalities, people of different genders, people of different ages, people of different political persuasions. If you're different from me, I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm going to disagree with you vehemently and dramatically, and sometimes, I'm sad to say, sometimes even violently. I'll either use verbal violence or, in fact, physical violence. And, and we've had armed conflict on this planet for all but 2% of recorded history. So we are still behaving like two-year-olds. We are a very immature species. Just now, beginning to move into the possibility of a larger version, of embracing a larger version of who we are and why we are here mm. in the realm of the physical. Yeah, and... Well, do you think it's possible if there's a certain percentage of us with elevated consciousness that are thinking positive, are thinking unity, that can shift the rest of yes, humanity? Yes, I think that, yeah, I, yeah I, would, I would put it into two words. Shift happens. Shift happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. So I mean, people, I, a lot of I'm people an say, optimist, so I just want to you know shift that. A, a lot of people say hope. shift happens, but they may not pronounce it the same way. <laughs> right, that is true. Yeah, so but, I mean, but yes, I, I do believe. I do believe now, and by the way, especially these days, with with the miracles that we didn't even have ten or fifteen years ago, like what's happening right here. We're talking here, you know face-to-face -face in a way that was not possible eight or ten years ago. Yeah, and you're on the moon. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who wouldn't be on the moon seeing you? <laughs> so, yes, so, yes, so, yes. And so because of, you know, miracles like the Internet and other forms of communication, you know, when I was a child, something like this would have, would have seemed like science fiction. Right. I mean, a device you can hold in your hand – that you can use to access all the information in all the, you know, dictionaries and all the encyclopedias of the world right here. So we have the ability now, my point being, we have the ability now to transfer information, ideas, thoughts, and messages from one person to another uh, in ways we couldn't have dreamt of just a few years ago. Because that's true, Yes, if we reach critical mass now in the number of people who have a new idea about who we are, about why we're here, about our true relationship to each other, and about our true relationship to the aspect of life that some people call God, or if you please, the higher power. If we have a, a critical mass of people who have changed their mind about those things, 
and I'm thinking more positively about every aspect that I've just described, yes, I think we can alter humanity's future, but we need to do it quickly. I mean, not in 600 years. I think we need to move rapidly because if we don't, with the alienation and the negativity we're seeing on the planet at this time. And, you know, that's kind of an irony when you think about it, because we have the ability now to transfer, as I was just saying, ideas and messages back and forth between people that we didn't have 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. But the messages we're sending back and forth are largely negative messages. We're making everybody wrong, mm-hmm. who we see as being somehow different from us. If I you're if I'm a conservative and you're a liberal, I'm gonna make you wrong. I'm gonna call you names. We even have decided that political leadership is verbal bullying. We now call insults political leadership. Mm. That is, people who are political leaders are using verbal bullying and verbal insults as their means of communication. And we think this is great. We think we, we want to elevate that person and, and all people who act that way and maybe even elect them to lead our nation. And what, what have we come to? Yeah. What, have, what did we turn into loudmouth bullying, verbal bashing, gun-toting, argumentative people who use any reason they can find to be disagreeable and verbally and even sometimes physically cruel Mm. to each other. What have we come to? What's going on? Yeah. I know if my kids are watching a political debate, I'm like, you can't talk to another person like that. You need to be kind, you know, don't do what they're doing. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what? 25, 30 years ago, we never would have seen that. There was but, a there was a respect, a different yeah, of course. Level of respect. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and now, now we not only accept it, many people join in it and become part of it. Right. So you know, whatever happened to Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's idea about the better angels of our nature. Mm. What happened to the better angels of our nature? Beautiful. Yes. Somebody needs to write a book by that title. What happened <laughs> to the better angels of our nature? Yes. I'm, I'm going to write that down. Write that down. And maybe somebody in our audience, too, might be inspired. So just for our audience, how can we start this conversation with God? Well, there's a six-step process that I put in the book, God Talk. Okay. Well, I'm happy to share it here quickly. I mean, I can give you the the outline of it. Number one, we have to believe there is a God. Number two, we have to believe that God actually talks to human beings, that not only do we talk to God in the form of prayer, but God actually talks back to us. Number three, once we accept the fact that God does talk directly to human beings, number third, third step is we have to accept the fact that we are worthy to be one of those human beings. That it isn't that God just talks to saints or Mm -hmm. sages or maybe the Pope or people who we think are worthy, but Mm -hmm. that God would talk to us. Number four, we have to be open to receiving those communications and not ignore them when, when uh, when they 
occur to us when they occur in our lives. Number five, we have to not dismiss them. Mm. Maybe we don't ignore them, but maybe we dismiss them and you know and call them ah, it's just my imagination, you know, or whatever. We 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 just dismiss it. And once we get to step number six, then we can have our own conversation with God because step number six is to act on what we are hearing. Mm. Act on the messages you're receiving. Or as I like to put it in my life, hit the brake pedal. Don't don't question. I don't question the, the important messages I'm receiving. I listen. You know, people might say, okay, you listen to your hunches, or you listen to your, your premonitions, or you know, or, or whatever. Okay, well, you can call it what you want. As I said, as I said earlier, people have different names for their conversations with God. I had a hunch. I had a hunch yesterday that I should, you know, go in there and apply for a job because maybe they're looking for somebody and it turns out that they were. So I guess my hunch was correct. Okay, you can call it a hunch. You can call it whatever you want, a premonition. You can call it whatever whatever you want. But um, if we act on the information we're receiving, those, that's the sixth step, the sixth step process and how we can have our own conversation with God. Yeah, that's beautiful. There was something like that that happened when I got the job with Humanities team to be a live event host. I was interviewing Steve Farrell, the CEO, and I asked him after our interview, we had coffee because we live close, about 20 minutes away. And I said, do you need any help with your company? And and he did. And, and it was one of those things where I had a microsecond of a doubt, like, oh, they couldn't, you know, need any help or whatever. And so, um, but yeah, I followed through and that that's what led me to doing this interview with you today, which, uh, is a wonderful, um, manifestation that I've always wanted to interview you. Well, that's a very kind thing to say, and thank you for those sweet words. But I do agree that that's exactly how it works in people's lives. Mm-hmm. So that's and that's why I wrote the book God Talk. And you know what's interesting about that book? Most authors write a book and then they look for a publisher to see if you know they can find a publisher. Mm-hmm. And I did that too for, with many of my books, of course. Mm-hmm. But this book, I was invited to write. I mean, the phone rang one day, and it was a publisher calling me. They got my number from my literary agent, and they called okay. me directly. And so Beautiful. a publishing house called called me up and said, would you be willing to write a book about how people can have their own conversations with God? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it was interesting. It just never happened in my life. I mean, I, I write books, but people, you know, I have to find a publisher for them. I haven't had a hard time finding publishers because once you've had, you know, seven, I'm not bragging, just saying, once yeah. you've had seven New York Times bestsellers, the publishing houses are happy to publish your work, but mm-hmm. they rarely call you and say, they write a book for us. But right. this publisher called me and said, would you write this book for us? Tell people in your book how the steps they could take to have their own experience like the one you had. 
So I said, yeah, we did we did write that book and we 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 titled it God Talk. How to have a talk with God. Yeah, I love it. And and it's very selfless. It's it just it feels like a wonderful next step for humanity to become conscious. And, you know, I, I have a question about prayer. Do you feel that sometimes people pray in a way that um, is not communicating properly or that they're asking for things and they can like co-create it? Like, how, how do you feel that prayer can be revolutionized? Well, well, first of all, I, I don't think that you can pray in the wrong way. No, I don't, okay. God's not God's not sitting up there going, "Sorry, that's not the right way to pray." You got to pray the right way, or I'm not going to even listen to you. Uh -huh. I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think that's the kind of God we have. But now, is there a way to pray that may be more effective, more impactful, uh, in the sense of it projects positive energy into the universe around you? Yes. Yes, there is. Uh, and um, and interestingly, in conversations with God, I was told that you may not have anything you want. So that we should not say to God, you know, I want more money in my life. You know, <laughs> or, or, you know, I, or I want my perfect relationship. Or I want a better job. Or I, I really want children. You know, or we, we shouldn't be, because God says you cannot have anything you want. And I said, when I was told this in the conversation, in the dialogue with God, I said to God, what, what are you telling me? I, I thought I thought if you pray to God, that's how you get what you want. God said, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't understand that even the simplest basic information about metaphysics. So now, Neil, let me help you understand. God has only one word in your vocabulary. He only says yes. God says yes, the only word in God's vocabulary. So if you say, I want more money in my life, God says yes. That's true. If you say, I want my, my I want my perfect relationship, God says, you sure do. That's true. Yes, that's true. So so God says, what you declare is what you experience. So make sure your prayer is not a declaration, because if you say, you know, I, come on, God, help me out here. I really want to have children. God says, yes, you do. You do want to have children. That's correct. So God taught me a new way to pray, to make sure that I don't say something that I don't choose to experience. Mm -hmm. All the money I need is coming to me now. My right and perfect partner is on the way to me now. My perfect life occupation, my perfect job is coming to me now. Thank you, God, for helping me to know that whatever problem I'm facing right now is being solved for me. That's my favorite prayer, by the way. Thank yeah. you, God. Thank you, God, for helping me to understand that this problem is already solved for me. Mm. And I'm simply going to step into the solution. So uh, this is really what Reverend Dr. Norman Vincent Peale was talking about when he wrote his book, 
the power of positive thinking. Mm. Guys, I promise you, it's true. The power of positive thinking is real. Metaphysics are not simply someone's imagination. Metaphysics is a force that's used in the universe. And people who understand that have changed their lives. And for that matter, they've changed the lives of other people whose lives they touch. Yeah. So yes, there is a there is a powerful way to pray. And a powerful way to pray is to affirm what is true and what you choose to experience in your reality. Mm. Yeah. I experienced that this weekend. I asked for a miracle when we were boating with some friends on the lake and my friend lost his cell phone, went to the bottom of the lake and I asked <laughs> for a miracle for me to find the phone. And one of the kids ran and got some goggles and I found the phone at the bottom of the lake. Yeah. <laughs> That was just a few days ago. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Amazing, huh? Well, see, I don't ask God for anything. Uh, You don't? No. Mm -hmm. I simply declare. You declare it. What I choose to experience. Mm. Some some people in the so-called new thought community might call this the saying of affirmations. Mm-hmm. So I simply affirm what I choose to experience. As I demonstrated a moment ago, all right. the money I all the money I need is coming to me now. My perfect partner is coming to me now. Every woman I meet wants to have sex with me now. You don't really want that. No, that was a little joke. You were supposed to laugh. But, but okay, point. I'm glad I passed the test. <laughs> Seeing if I'm listening. Yeah, exactly. Let's see if he's really listening. But anyway, <laughs> or the, if I'm the just point, like nodding being, my head. Yeah. The, but the, but the, yeah, but the point being that that if if we affirm what it is we choose, we're far more likely to experience it because, in fact, our affirmation is this: the act of projecting particular kinds of energetic signals to the universe. You know, I was told in conversations with God that energy is an element that impacts upon itself. And I said to God, well, can you help me? You know, can you give me an illustration? God said, well, okay, you know, just if you want to get an illustration, think of water. Just do you think that if you pour boiling hot water into ice cold water, that the hot water will affect the cold water in any way? I said, well, of course it will. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll change the temperature of the cold water and, and make it probably at least tepid, you know, medium. It won't. So, yeah, of course. So, so God said, that's how energy works. You, when you project your energy into the field of energy we call life, the field of energy responds to the energy that you send into it. Mm. And you know what's interesting? 
I, I, I thought that way even as a child without knowing what I was doing. I mean, I wasn't doing it consciously. But I always had an idea in my head, even as a child, that things will always work out. <laughs> and I, I, I kept that idea going through my life, yeah. through my young teenage years. And I can remember hearing, overhearing my father say something to my older brother. I was not in the same room. I was in the next room. But I overheard my father answer my brother because my brother was complaining to my dad because all kinds of good things were happening to me in high school. Like I won the state championship in, in our debate class. And you know I was the school, the editor of the paper. All kinds of nifty things happened to me in school and in my life. Anyway, my brother was saying to my dad, and I happened to overhear it. My, dad, my brother was saying, you know, Neil has all the luck. And my dad said something interesting to, to my brother okay. that I overheard. He said, Neil doesn't have all the luck. Neil makes his own luck. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, and I never, you know, I, he, he never said that to me directly, but I overheard that. And it wow. had a huge impact on my life. I thought, wow. My dad thinks that I make my own luck. So I, I began to put two and two together, and I realized that because I think that good things will happen to me, good things happen to me. What a cool dad. Yeah. Ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's powerful for you to overhear that. It's so encouraging. And did your brother like take that in or he didn't want to hear it? I I, 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 I I think at the time he didn't want to hear it. Yeah. You know, he was like 16 or 17. He didn't want to hear, you know, that his younger brother somehow had latched onto some kind of a mystery in life. So, you know, my brother, you know, wasn't going for it at the time, you know. I think as, as as time went on, all of us mature. Yeah. And most of us come to a place where we at least understand that we shouldn't walk around complaining and moping about life because it doesn't do any good. It simply doesn't do any good. Or it creates, or the opposite, it could create more of that. Of course. If Yeah, that stuckness and negativity. Well, God Talk is your 40th book. That's pretty special. Yeah, I'm kind of happy about it. And, and I, I like, and you know what they did? They did something interesting in the book. It was not okay. just all about me. They, the publisher actually put the word out on the internet to people, to the public at large. If you have ever had your own experience of a communication from the divine, send us your story. And hundreds of people wrote in, and they 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 you know, they picked out the, the eight or nine very best of those stories and included them in the book. So the second portion of the book is um, a, a, an account of all these seven individuals who have have also claimed to have had what I would call conversations with God, or who have claimed to have experienced divine intervention in their life. So the book turns out to be fascinating exploration, just as it says on the cover, exploring our divine connection with the higher power. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. It's like a collaboration of humanity, all these stories coming in. Yeah. Wonderful. I have a question. 
who or what is God and is God part of us or outside of us? Well, um, I've been asked that question many times. <laughs> who, you know, well, at least the first part of your question, uh-huh. who, who, who or what is God? That question I've been asked many times by journalists, media people, yeah. as well as as well as you know, members of my audiences when I give a lecture and so forth. And I've given the same answer to everybody. God is, there's nothing that God is not. God is all there is. So all things are one thing. There's only one thing, and all things are part of the one thing there is, namely divinity expressing itself in a gazillion different forms. So uh, it's it's impossible to say who and what God is. It's much easier to say what God is not, because I can answer that question, what is God not, in one word. Nothing. There is nothing that God is not. Mm. Since, since God is life expressing itself in all the ways that it does in every corner of the universe. Now, the second question you ask is, is not a question I get asked a lot. It's a kind of unusual question. But So thank you for asking it. Is God, you know, a somehow a part of us or separate from us. Um, God is not separate from anyone or anything. So my experience is, and my observation as well, is that God is part of us. Mm. That divinity resides within every sentient being in the cosmos. Or to put it in different languaging, all the wisdom, all the clarity, all the understanding, all the awareness, and if you please, all the love that is divinity has been placed in all of us. And it's simply waiting for us to express, that is to push it out, as a mother who might express milk. That these aspects of divinity are simply there, residing at the deepest part of our being, waiting for us to express. Mm. And the only question in any given moment of our life is, what expression of divinity am I willing and prepared to demonstrate now? Mm. When we're having a little argument with our loved one, Just to use an, an example. Yeah, that's a great example. We're having a little bit of a disagreement with the person that we totally adore, but we're just not quite getting along in that moment. What aspect of divinity mm. am, I, am I willing, able, and ready to express right now? Or am I going to insist on being right? Now, in my house, that's not a problem because it's generally acknowledged in my house that I am right about everything. But uh, in other people's houses, they may not have that kind of authority. Uh, so, But people in my house understand going into any conversation. Don't contradict Neil <laughs> with regard to anything he feels, says, thinks, or does because he is always right. I have a, a, a sign that I usually wear around the house. I don't 
I do I don't wear it when I'm doing programs like this, but around the house I do have a little sign that I put on my head that just says always right. So that I don't have those kinds of disagreements in my house. But in, in other people's families, those situations could arise. <laughs> right. And hopefully it's a comfortable hat. You know, it's not pressing too hard. <laughs> causing no, you stress. No, because I have a very big head, and so it, any <laughs> any kind of a hat would fit it perfectly. Yeah. What is Zen success to you? Interesting question. I think that success to me is no longer about, to be serious for a moment, I don't think that success to me has anything to do with my physical life how much money I make or how many accolades I receive or how many critics like like my latest book or any anything like that. I don't I don't think that I don't I don't measure success or experience what we call success uh, in my life in terms of the f- outcomes of my physical reality anymore. I did in my 20s, 30s, 40s and 50s. I absolutely did. But in my 60s, 70s, and, eight, and as I go into my 80th year, I don't, I don't experience success in that way. Success to me then is the fullest expression of which I am capable of my soul's identity. That is success to me. Or to put it in simple, straightforward language, being a nice person. Being loving, being caring, being compassionate, being understanding, being forgiving, being generous, being all the aspects of divinity that I admire in the moments of my life, especially in those moments when it is a challenge to be those things. That to me, feels like success. Yes. You know? um, so that that would be the answer that I would give you. It, Wonderful. I, I hope that when I die, that people will feel that I achieved a modicum of that kind of success, at least toward the end of my life. I wasn't th- those things in the first 50 or 60 years of my life. And I acknowledge that I wasn't those things, not nearly often enough. I, I like to think that in the past 25 years or so, that I've perhaps managed to demonstrate some of that more of the time. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you and hearing about your latest book, God Talk. I'll put your website and how to connect in the show notes. Thanks for joining me today on the Zen Success Show, Neil. Gosh, thank you for allowing me to be a guest on your program. I've enjoyed every single minute of it. Thank you. It's been lovely to be here. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Zen Success is also available on the radio in select markets through amfm247.com. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com 
to help you on your Zen success journey. And join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen success in life.